pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're there in Hebrews chapter number four, excuse me, chapter number five. And uh, we've been making our way through the book of Hebrews on Wednesday nights, going verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter. And uh, tonight we find ourselves here at the end of chapter number five. And we're going to be finishing up uh, chapter number five tonight. And there's just this small section at the end of the chapter uh, that deals with a very specific uh, subject. In fact, I'd like for us to just read it uh, so that you can uh, see. And just to get a little bit of the context, let's just, just start reading in verse number 9 there, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. The Bible says this, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey, called of God and high priests after the order of Melchizedek of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. And then I'd like you to notice these next few verses, which we'll be dealing with tonight. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. These verses that we've read have to do with the subject of spiritual maturity. And I'd like to speak to you for a few minutes tonight on the subject of spiritual maturity. We're only going to deal with four verses. In fact, I'd like to give you four statements from these four verses. And uh, there was a time in my ministry when I used to worry about Sometimes people would make me feel worried about how much content we would cover, uh, maybe in a sermon, but I've, I've let go of that a long time ago. Uh, some might criticize, you know, you're only dealing with three verses or four, four verses at, at a time. First of all, the book of Hebrews is so dense, the Word of God is so dense that sometimes we just need to slow down uh, to look at what it says. Uh, the other thing I've learned is that I'm just going to be preaching three times a week for the rest of my life, so I'm not really in a rush uh, and, and I'm not in a hurry. I don't know if you are, but um, we need to learn these things from the Word of God. I'd like for us to look at this subject, this idea of spiritual maturity. And if you look at verse 11 again, the Bible says this, of whom? And we already read verses 9 and 10, and we talked about it last week, so I won't take the time to go through it. But the whom there that's being referred to is Melchizedek. And we're going to study Melchizedek later when we get into chapter 7, and we'll go through all the things we can about Melchizedek and all there is to know but the writer of the book of Hebrews is getting ready to enter into this conversation about Melchizedek. That's what he wants to talk about. And it's gonna, we're going to have to get through chapter 6 to get there. And there's all these things, these preliminary things that he has to explain and kind of help them understand and set them up for in order to learn about Melchizedek. And really that context begins here in verse 11. I mean, we already started talking about Melchizedek earlier in chapter 5, he says, of whom we have many things to say. He says, I've got a lot of things I want to say to you regarding Melchizedek. He says, the problem with that is that the things that I want to say, uh, he says, they are hard to be uttered. He says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. And the idea there, when he says that these things are hard to be uttered, it's that they're hard to communicate. They're hard for him to explain. And they're also hard for the people to uh, receive. I feel like I've got a little bit of an echo. If you could help me with that, I'd appreciate it. He says that they are hard to be uttered, meaning it's a difficult thing to communicate. But then he says this, seeing ye are dull of hearing. He says the problem is with the things I need to communicate, they're difficult to communicate. He says, and the other problem is that you, he's talking to his intended audience, he says you are dull of hearing. And that word dull there, uh, the same word that's translated dull there in our King James Bible uh, is also the Greek, the underlying Greek word that's translated dull is also translated in our King James Bible as slothful. And the idea is that they're being lazy. They're being apathetic. They're being uninterested. Usually when we would use the word dull, we might say someone is dull and we would say that they're boring. But he says that they are dull of hearing, that they are bored with the things that they're supposed to be hearing, that they're not interested in. They're being lazy in their learning 
of the things that they need to know. He says, I've got some things that you need to understand, but these things are difficult to be uttered. They're difficult to communicate. They're difficult to understand. And he said, the problem is that you are dull of hearing. You are lazy when it comes to uh, what you need to know from the Word of God. That's the context that the writer of Hebrews then leads us in to verse number 12 when he begins to talk about this idea of spiritual maturity. And there are several things here that I'd like you to notice about spiritual maturity. And I'll give you four thoughts, and maybe you can jot these down, and I'd love for you to jot them down and write them down. I hope that you're taking notes or in the back of your course a week. There's a place for you to do that. Let me give you these four thoughts that we get from these uh, four verses. And the first thought is this, that spiritual maturity, because he's going to delve into the subject of spiritual maturity, growing spiritually, becoming a mature Christian. And the first thing we see here is that spiritual maturity is expectable. It is something that can be and should be and by God and certain individuals is expected. Look at verse 12. Notice what he says. He says, he just got done saying, I've got some things I need to say to you. I've got some things that are hard to be uttered. And the problem is that I've got some things that are going to be difficult for you to understand. And you are dull of hearing. And then he says, and here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by you being a dull of hearing. He says, here's the reason why you're dull of hearing. He says, for when... The word for means because. He says, because, when, for the time. And I just want you to notice these three little words, or excuse me, four little words. He says this, ye ought to be. He says, for when the time ye ought to be teachers. And now he goes on to say, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And we're going to look at all those words and all that passage here in a minute. But I first just want to focus in on that little phrase, ye ought to be. Ye ought to be. And that little phrase, the idea is that there is an expectation. He says, there are some things that you ought to be. There is somewhere you already ought to be. There is a certain amount of spiritual growth, the writer is, of Hebrews is saying, to those to whom he is writing. And he's saying, there's an expectation there of somewhere that you already ought to be. Keep your place there in Hebrews 5. That's our text for tonight. Go with me if you would to the book of 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. If you're there in Hebrews, if you go past the book of James, past 1 Peter, into 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter number 3, and look at verse number 18. And I want to begin by saying this. There is uh, an expectation for spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is expectable. God expects us to grow spiritually for when the time ye ought to be. And the question that I want to ask plainly to you tonight, and please don't answer it out loud, but I hope you will take the time to answer it. I hope that you will take the time to think about it and wrestle with it in your own mind and your heart if needed, and really ask yourself this question. Where is it in your Christian life that ye ought to be? Where should you be? I mean... Where should you be? And that is a different answer for every question, for every individual. Maybe you just got saved last night and you are where you ought to be on a Wednesday night. Praise God for that. But a lot of you didn't get saved last night or last week or last month. You've got to ask yourself this question, where should I ought to be spiritually? Where does God expect that I be in my Christian life, because we need to understand this, that spiritual maturity is expected. It is expectable. We can expect for a Christian to grow spiritually. The writer of Hebrews is telling these individuals that whatever, for whatever it's worth, wherever they find themselves, he believes, and he's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that they ought to be teachers at this time, but they're not. For when the time ye ought to be. And I want you to understand that uh, spiritual growth is expected. It is something that God expects from us. 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 18. Notice this little phrase, but grow in grace. But grow in grace. The sentence, but grow in grace, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is what we would refer to as an imperative sentence. It is giving a 
command. It is telling us to do something. And there's an implied subject. The implied subject is you. The implied subject is myself. The implied subject is anyone who reads it. We are being told to grow in grace, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And here's what we need to understand. When it comes to salvation, salvation is obviously the number one goal. We're a soul-winning church, and we want to get people saved. We want people to know for sure they're on their way to heaven. We want them to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to call upon Him for salvation, that they might be born again, and then that might be saved. That's something we are interested in, and that's something that is extremely important to us. However, we also need to remember that salvation is just the first step. That is just the first thing that God wants. The first thing that God wants in our lives is for us, for you, for myself, for anyone to be saved. That's step number one. But then there comes this lifelong journey of sanctification. The next step is sanctification, which is spiritual growth. God wants us to be saved and God wants us to grow. Now, if you don't grow, you're still saved. But God does desire for every Christian, and He expects for every Christian to grow. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're there in 2 Peter 3. Go back to 1 Peter chapter number 1. Look at verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23 has this very famous phrase that's found in the Bible. And it is this, being born again. Used by the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 3. Marvel not that I said unto ye, you must, unto you, you must be born again. This is a reference to salvation. Salvation is being born again. It happens in a moment of time when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And the Bible uses this illustration or this analogy of birth to describe salvation. We are born again into the family of God. We are birthed into His family, and God becomes our Heavenly Father. However, in the same way that you expected to not only have a child, if you've been blessed with having children, not only was there a day that that child was born, and yes, that was an amazing day, and that was a, a wonderful day, the day that your uh, children were born. I remember every single uh, one of the births of our six children, and the day that they were born was a wonderful day. But then there's this expectation for them to grow. We are to be born again, but then God wants us to grow. Notice 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 2. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, notice these words, that ye may grow thereby. See, we often act like salvation's the end game. You know, we get somebody saved and that's it. It's all done. But wait a minute. It, was it all done the day your children were born? Wasn't that just the beginning? There was a whole 18 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years for some of you, you know, uh, where your parents were supporting you, where your parents were raising you, where your parents were helping you develop and grow. And the idea is that God wants us to be born again, yes, but then He wants us to grow, but grow in grace. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, uh, go back to Hebrews chapter 5, Look at verse 12 again. I said, number one, spiritual maturity is expectable. It is something that is to be expected. And I want you to know this, that God expects it from you. Not only does God expect it from you, but for whatever it's worth, I expect it from you. Amen. Everything we do around here falls under two categories, reach people and teach people. We want to reach people with the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, and then we want to teach them to observe all things whatsoever He has commanded us. And the goal is for you to grow. You say, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish here at Verity Baptist Church? Why would you have a Wednesday evening service where you go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through books of the Bible? Why have a Sunday night service and a Sunday morning service? Why have a discipleship class? And why have all these different things? And we'll just be quite honest with you. Our goal is for you to grow and mature spiritually. It is something that God and our church expects. And I hope you expect it. So you, gotta ask the, you need to ask the question, what ought you to be by now? For however long you've been coming, however long you've been growing, however long you've been going uh, to a church like this, because Paul here had a very clear expectation. He says, for when 
for the time ye ought to be teachers, he was very clear about the fact that there was an expectation. So I said, number one, spiritual maturity is expectable. But the second statement, which is also found here in verse 12, is this, that not only is spiritual maturity expectable, but spiritual maturity is reversible. Notice what he says there in verse 12. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, that's where they ought to be, that's where they're expected to be, he says, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Notice what he says, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. He said, not only have you not came to the place that we expected you to be, he said, you've actually reverted. You've actually reversed. He says, not only are we at a time when you ought to be teachers, but he said, if it's not enough that you've not reached that expectation, he said, you've actually gone back and have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, what is he saying when he says that they have become such as need of milk? What he's saying is, you're still a baby. You're a babe spiritually. He said, you've not gotten to the place where God expects you to be. And if anything, he said, you've reversed back to being a baby. Look at verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. We just saw it in 1 Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now, here's, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with needing milk if you're a baby. Nothing wrong with that. If you got saved last night, according to the Bible, what you need is the sincere milk of the Word of God. We need to begin to feed you the, what the Bible calls milk. But he says there's an expectation for other people to have moved on from milk and to go on to strong meat. Now he's going to tell us what strong meat is versus milk. And it might surprise you that it's not what you think it is. Because we often use these verses and these terminologies, and I'm not saying that the way that they are used are, 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 are bad, but I don't think they're within the context of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He says spiritual maturity is expectable and spiritual maturity is reversible. Now when we talk about reversing, when we talk about this idea of, of going backwards, go to Hosea chapter number 11 if you would in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament, you have those big books of the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you have Daniel and Hosea. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel and Hosea. Get to Hosea chapter 11 if you would, and do me a favor, when you get there, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there, because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it, Hosea chapter number 11. The writer of Hebrews is telling us about these individuals that based off who they are, how long they've been saved, the ministry that they've been under, the things they've learned, the things they've been taught, he says there's an expectation that ye ought to be teachers, but he said the problem with you is that though spiritual maturity is expectable, spiritual maturity is reversible, and though you ought to be teachers, he said you have need that one teach you again. It's not that they were never taught, but they need to be taught again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. He says because you, when you should be mature, are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. The idea is this, that they were not moving forward, they were moving backward. Now, when we talk about moving backward spiritually, I mean, let's just be very plain with what we're saying. The biblical word for that is backsliding or being backslidden. You say, how do I know if I'm backslidden? Well, ask yourself this question. Am I doing, no, am I doing more for God today than I, than I have been ever in my life? Am I more right, am I just as right or more right with God today? I'm saying, how's your Bible reading today? Has there ever been a time in your life when your Bible reading habit was better than it is today? Has there ever been a time in your life when your church attendance has been more consistent than it is right now? 
when your prayer time has been better than it is right now, when your soul winning has been more consistent than it is right now. I'm just helping you diagnose this because if you can say, well, I used to be more consistent, I used to be a better soul winner, I used to read the Bible more, I used to pray more, then you are, by definition, excuse me, you are backslidden. You have reversed. You have gone back. You ought to be here, but instead you are here because though spiritual maturity is expectable, spiritual maturity is also reversible. Notice what God says to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 11, verse 7. And my people are bent. That word bent means they, they have a tendency towards, they lean towards, they just lean towards it. And I, I, this is a verse that bothers me because of the reality of it. He says, my people are bent to backsliding from me. The hymn writer said it this way, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Notice Hosea 14 and verse 4. He says, Isaiah 14 and verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. God can heal our backsliding. But one thing we need to understand is this, that we are bent to backslide. We are prone to backslide. My people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they, have called, though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. Keep your place there in Hosea. Uh, go back to Hebrews chapter 5 if you would. Keep your place in Hosea. We're going to come right back to it. Hebrews chapter 5. You say, well, what do you do? Well, I want you to notice what the writer of Hebrews tells us and what the Bible tells us throughout Scripture. And, and, here's, and here's the truth. The reason that Hosea 11.7 bothers me so much, I, I love it because it's the Word of God. I know it's true. But it, sometimes the Word of God is so true that you're just kind of like, I wish that wasn't true. Because this phrase is true, and if you don't know it to be true, just start working with people and you'll realize how true it is. My people are bent to backsliding from me. That's true. It's true of the Old Testament nation of Israel, and it's true of Verity Baptist Church. I don't need to know you very well to know this, that this is probably true of you. My people are bent to backsliding from me. In my life, I've met people, and in my life, I've known people, and, and, and by God's grace, we have some people in this church that are like this, and I thank God for it. Every once in a while, I'll meet somebody who, I don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't know what it is. If I could figure out what it was, then I would figure out how to do it to everyone. <laughs> but just this type of individual that, you just teach them something, and they just look at it, and they say, well, that's what the Bible says, and they just, they just, it, it's just a lifelong thing for them. You just go to them and say, hey, look, the Bible says God wants you to read your Bible every day, and they're just like, done. And they just have the consistency, the discipline, the character. I don't know the love for God, the motivation. I'm not sure what it is, but they just, God said it, I'm going to do it, and they just read the Bible every day. Some people are like that with soul winning. You just go to them, and you just say, hey, look, here, the Bible says, go you therefore. God commands you. God expects you to be a soul winner. Like, done. God wants me to be a soul winner. I'll be a soul winner. And then it's just, you know, they pick a soul winning time and they're just there. Saturday after Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, they're just a soul winner. It's just what they do. There are some people, and God bless them, who are like that. But what I've learned over 13 years of ministry is that the vast majority of people are not like that. The vast majority of people, you teach them, hey, God wants you to be a soul winner. God expects you to win souls. People are dying to go to hell. And they're like, oh, oh, I'm crying, okay. And they show up for like one or two or three weeks, and then it just kind of tapers out. And it tapers down. And my people are just bent to backslide from me, is what God says. And the idea is that we, and for, for this reason, we need to just constantly be reminding and reminding and reminding individuals. Look at what he says, Hebrews 5.12. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. You say, Pastor, another sermon on Bible reading? Yeah, we need to hear it again. Another sermon on tithing? Yeah, we need to hear it again. Another sermon on soul winning? Yeah, we just, we just need to hear it again. You say, why? Because people are bent to backslide. 
Not everyone. There are some unusual suspects out there who is just like, they learn it, they get it, they got it, it's done. What to God, we could all be like that. It's not up for debate. Look, it it would be a great time in your life when you can get to the place where it's not up for debate. It's not up for debate what we do on Saturday morning. And I'm just speaking for my home, for myself and my wife. It's not up for debate. I don't know how some people, people, they wake up like, what do you think we should do today? Oh, there's soul winning, there's hiking, there's the park. It's not up for debate. What we do on Wednesday night is not up for debate. That decision was made a long time ago. And you say, well, you're the pastor. Well, I made that decision before we were in ministry. My wife and I were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winning, tithing, Bible reading every day, way before we were in ministry. Just, it would be a great day in your life if you could get to the place where you would just say, the Bible says it, I'm going to do it. It's not up for debate. I'm going to be in church on Sunday morning, come hell or high water. I understand sometimes we get sick and things, and, and, and things that are out of your control, but some of you get sick a lot. I mean, I don't understand how you have a job. I mean, if, you're, if, if your consistency to church matched your job, you'd be fired which is why some of you have been fired from some of the positions you hold here. And I, I'm, I'm just saying, if, if, if your kids miss school as much as, and unfortunately, some of you homeschool, and that is the case, and that makes me very sad. But if your kids miss school as much as you miss church, I mean, CPS would be called on you. And the truth is this, that the average person lacks character, lacks integrity. We can even give you a form that says, hey, if you're going to be an usher, hey, if you're going to be in choir, hey, if you're going to do this, or you're going to do that, you're going to be on the safety team, these are the things you agree to. And even that doesn't last very long. Even that has to be like, hey, remember you said this? We wouldn't have to have those conversations if you had character. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just preaching to you what the Bible says. You're the one that wanted more. than the. You can't even handle these four verses. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The first principles of the oracles of God, the oracles of God, they're referring to the word of God or the teachings from the word of God, the Bible. He said, we just have to teach you again. Notice what Paul said in the book of Philippians. If you go back to Philippians chapter 3, towards the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. I wish it were the case that people just made a decision and settled it. Just decide. Just decide. I'm, I'm a person that gets up every day and reads the Bible. And then it's just not up for debate. I'm, I'm going to have a habit of daily Bible reading. I'm going to have a habit of prayer. I'm going to be a consistent soul winner. I'm going to be three to thrive, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, I'm going to tie. That's not, that doesn't come up for debate or discussion every time I get paid. You think we should? You think we shouldn't? Can we afford it? It's not, it's not up for debate. It's just what we do. Philippians 3, 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Here's what Paul wrote to the church of Philippians. He says, to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. You got, we, we have to hear it again. It's safe. Why is it safe? Because my people are bent to backsliding. That's what God said. Do me a favor, please keep your place right there in Philippians. You should also have your place in Hosea. Those are the only places you need to be in. And and go back to Hebrews if you would. Keep your place in Philippians and Hosea. Go back to Hebrews chapter 5. We're learning about spiritual maturity and we're getting statements from the Word of God, statements to help us understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And the first statement was this, spiritual maturity is expected. It's expectable. It's something that should be expected. Ye ought to be, is what he said. And then he said, spiritual maturity is reversible. He said, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And again, if you've only been saved for a few weeks or a few months, or you just got baptized not too long ago, hey, we're, we're, not, trying to get, we're, we're, we're not trying to get you to do more or take on more than you should. If you're a babe in Christ, there's nothing wrong with that, but we want you to know there's an expectation to grow. Slowly but surely, we want to feed you and get you off the milk onto strong meat. 
So I said, number one, spiritual maturity is expectable. Number two, spiritual maturity is reversible. Reversible. Some people, some people just get it. They just get it. They're special people. I'll be honest with you. My, my wife is one of these people. I mean, I just, she got saved when she was 17 years old, and I'm just like, the Bible says read the Bible. She just started reading the Bible. The Bible says pray. She started praying. The Bible says be a soul. I mean, she literally, some of you, I, I don't understand. I mean, she, she uh, 17 years old, been saved for two weeks, started preaching the gospel at the door. No soul winning seminar. No formal soul winning training other than just being out with soul winners. And then we have other soul winners who come to church like this. We give you, like, every help, everything we can do to try. And you're just like. And I just ask the question, where ought ye to be? Where ought ye to be by now? With everything you've been given, with all the help you've been given, with all the resources that have been handed to you, where ought ye to be? So we see that spiritual maturity is expectable, and spiritual maturity is reversible. And by the way, my wife tricked me into the ministry because I got her saved, and I discipled her, and I thought to myself, wow, this is easy. I can do this. I'll be a pastor and do this. And I found out, oh, no, not, that's like unique. Everyone else is like, you're pulling and dragging, and you got to preach every five minutes. Hey, don't forget. Hey, don't forget. Hey, don't forget. But you can grow to the place. You can grow to the place where you're spiritually mature. So it's expectable. It's reversible. Let me give you a third statement. Spiritual maturity is measurable. It's measurable. Look at verse 13. For everyone that useth milk, everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So look, the Bible tells us we can measure spiritual growth in the same way that we can measure physical growth, right? Maybe you did this in your home where as your children were growing, there was a doorpost somewhere in your home and you marked with a pencil and every six months or every year you'd mark and you'd measure their growth. Spiritual growth is something that can be measured. He says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So here's what we know. If you're on milk, you're a babe. By the way, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. Nothing to do with how long you've been saved. You say, well, then how do we know if somebody's spiritually mature? Well, if you're using milk, then you're a babe. But, verse 14, strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. So he says, if you're on the strong meat, then you're full age. If you're on the milk, you're a babe. And of course, he's using a physical analogy here. A little baby with no teeth and the unable to process food is drinking milk, being nursed. But eventually, that baby begins to grow and mature. And don't babies often grow just right off of just milk? I mean, babies are cute when they're little and they're fat, right? They're drinking milk that they may grow thereby. But eventually they grow, they outgrow the milk. They start developing these little fangs, and they start reaching for the food on the table, and, and they want more than just milk. And we begin to slowly, you don't just hand them a steak. You take whatever, you know, the weirdest combinations, apple and carrots or something weird, and you smash it together and, and give it to them. And they begin to slowly digest stronger food. And eventually they start eating meat. Strong meat belonging to them that are full age. Well, the Bible says the same thing. The Bible says that we can measure. You say, how can I measure my spiritual growth? Well, we can measure spiritual growth by your ability to handle strong meat. Versus your ability to handle milk. You say, well, then how, how do I know which one is which? Well, look at, look, look at Hebrews four, 5 and look at verse 14. Let me give you statement number 4, and then we'll, we'll kind of combine these thoughts. Measurable. And here's statement number 4. I said, number 1, spiritual maturity is expectable. Number 2, spiritual maturity is reversible. Number 3, spiritual maturity is measurable. Here's statement number 4. Spiritual maturity is intentional. It's intentional. 
And notice what the Bible says here in Hebrews 5 and verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The Bible just defined for us what strong meat is. What is strong meat? But strong meat, because here's how we like to interpret it. We like to say, and, and again, I'm not, I've, I've used this terminology, and, I, and if you've used it, I'm not against you. I will probably continue to use this terminology, and I'm not attacking anybody who's used it. But I'm just telling you, it's not really correct within the context of the writing here. Because what we usually say is this, like, oh, the easy doctrines, those are milk. Salvation, and that's true. That is actually a true statement. The easy doctrines are milk. And then we'll say, but the more difficult doctrines, you know, understanding Daniel's 70th week and understanding all the intricacies of the book of Revelation and, and, and these deeper doctrines, that's the strong meat. And, and I understand why we would say that, and I'm not necessarily saying that's wrong, but that's not what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Now, I would say that those types of deeper doctrines are further along the food chain than milk, yeah. But what is actually strong meat? Look at it, verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. Well, how do we know if they're full age? Even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Strong meat is when you have your senses exercised and you can discern. The word discern means to judge, to make a judgment call, to, not, to have the knowledge, the understanding, to be able to discern both good and evil. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. Okay, what do you mean? Here's what strong meat is. When you don't need Pastor Jimenez to tell you, hey, so, you know, that something's just like obviously wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, when I have to get up and tell people like, hey, skipping church to watch the Super Bowl is not necessarily something that's honoring to the Lord. It's not something that makes God happy. You know, I think to myself, do I even really have to say this? But apparently I do. <laughs> because some people don't get it. That's milk. I mean, that's not, that's pretty, isn't that basic? Isn't it basic that God doesn't want you to go to a bar? That God doesn't want you to go to a casino? That God doesn't want you to be swimming and, and being immodest with members of the opposite sex that you're not married? I mean, aren't those things pretty basic? Do you really need me to tell you that? But, 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 you do. Because I do. Say, so how do you know when somebody's spiritually mature? When they have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they don't walk up to a casino and think, hmm, pastor said. No, no, no. They're spiritual enough to look around and think, I don't think I should be here. I don't think this is honoring to the Lord. I don't think God wants me here. That's strong meat. You say, well, what about Daniel's 70th week? Well, how is that strong meat? Somebody still taught you that. A documentary still spoon-fed that to you. I understand it's more complicated than milk, so maybe it's mashed-up carrots, but strong meat, strong meat is when you get to the place where you don't need mom or dad. Right? Isn't that like, let's talk about physically. Isn't that what we're trying to do? We have to tell our little baby and one-year-old and two-year-old and three-year-old and four-year-old and five-year-old, don't do this, don't do that. That's dangerous for you. Don't go there. And, but what we're trying to do is get them to the place where there's less and less of us telling them what to do, and they grow up to the place where they're mature enough to know, hey, I should be in church. And they don't just go to church because mom and dad make them go to church. They go to church because they have grown spiritually enough to have that discernment. God doesn't want me to, as a young man, to be in the backseat of a car with a young lady by myself. I don't need pastor to tell me that I've grown enough spiritually to kind of know. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Matthew 23, verse 23, look at it. 
Notice what Jesus says. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Now, I'm going to offend some of you because some of you act like tithing is like the hardest thing in the world. But Jesus is about to put tithing as milk. It's easy. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise. I mean, you're really good at tithing. You tithe even on just the smallest herb. I mean, you make sure you get the tithing right. Here's the problem. And have omitted the weightier matters. The weightier matters. What is that? That's a strong meat. He says, there, there, here's what he's saying. There's some things more important than tithing. The weighter matters a lot. What are they? Look at it. Judgment. What is that? Discernment. Isn't that what Hebrews said? He, he said, you have your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Judgment. That's being able to make a judgment call to say, this is right, this is wrong. This is what God wants. Judgment. Mercy. What is mercy? M- judgment is what is right, what is wrong. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mercy is then how we treat people. Forgiveness, love, love thy neighbor, love thine enemy. And faith, what is faith? Our walk with God. The just shall live by faith. Now, Jesus is not saying don't tithe. He says, these ought ye to have done. He said, I'm glad you tithe, but do not leave the other undone. Here's what you need to understand. And look, this is going to maybe mess some of you up because some of you just think odd things. But in the Bible, there are do commandments and there are be commandments. There are some things we're told to do and there are some things we're told to be. See, making sure your hair is short, men, is biblical. Making sure your hair is long, ladies, is biblical. But that's easy. How easy is it to walk into a barber? How easy is it to just let your hair grow? That's milk of the word. Tithing, milk of the word. That's easy. It's not hard to write a check. Soul winning, that, that's easy. The do things are easy. You know what's hard? It's the be things. The kindness. The loving. The forgiving, the love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you. That's hard. When you can do that, you can be assured that you're dealing with the strong meat. When you can look at a situation and say, I don't want to forgive them, but I can identify that they've repented biblically, and I'm going to forgive them. Because I love Jesus. That's the strong of the meat. Not Daniel 70th week. Now, Daniel 70th week. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's not difficult. I'm just saying that's not what it says. Your ability to handle the difficult matters of the heart is what determines your spiritual growth. Your ability to turn the other cheek. Your ability to esteem others better than yourself your ability to not fight about the smallest, stupidest, most incidental things is what actually shows us, oh, here's somebody who's spiritually grown. They've exercised their senses to be able to determine the difference between good and evil. And by the way, the person who can do that doesn't have to be reminded to read their Bible. Doesn't have to be guilted into going soul winning. Doesn't have to be told to show up to Wednesday night Bible study. Because when you get to that place in your life, not where you're doing, we, we start with the doing, but like milk, we outgrow the doing and we become a being. See, nobody has to tell me to do soul winning. You know why? Because I am a soul winner. I am a soul winner. It's who I am. So if I didn't have a pastor telling me, if I was gone on some trip somewhere, I wouldn't think, well, I don't have to... I don't have to go to, nobody has to tell me to go to church. Do you understand that? I'm a church goer. There was a time in my life where people were telling me, do, do, do. But now I am. I'm a bee. 
I pray the Holy Spirit's helping you understand this. I don't know if he is or not. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how many YouTube videos you watched. It has everything to do with who you are spiritually. And when you are a Bible reader, you sit back and think, pastor's preaching on Bible reading. This is an amen sermon because I, I got this covered. When you are, when you are a prayer warrior, when you are someone that has that 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 forgives, that loves, that is kind, that that has some emotional intelligence, that understands, well, that person, they're being rude to me right now, but but look at where they are in life and look at what God has forgiven me, and I'm just gonna love them anyway, and I'm just gonna care for them anyway, and I'm just gonna judge them righteously and be merciful and have faith. And that's Christianity. I mean, that's mature Christianity. And it's rare. Because we spend so much of our time trying to just get you to do the things that you need to do. And you forget so quickly the things you need to do that we almost never get to just being who you need to be. Because if you were who you needed to be, ushers, you wouldn't leave the service in the middle of the preaching to go get snacks at Dollar General. Now, you need me to say that because you're, why would I have to say that? I don't know, but I have to say it. Why do I have to say I don't. I have no idea why I have to say that. But see, I wouldn't leave church because I love God. <laughs> and I like church. And the answer to the question is, we just got to get you to stop doing and trying to do and do and get away. And maybe you didn't see and they got cameras everywhere. And start just being. Being someone that loves God. Being someone that wants to be the, give the right example. Being someone that cares for souls. See, when you care for souls and you don't want people to die and go to hell. I'm not looking for reasons to get out of soul winning. Because I am a soul winner. And I don't know if you understand that. I don't know if you'll ever understand it. But that's spiritual maturity. So spiritual maturity is expectable. Spiritual maturity is reversible. Spiritual maturity is measurable. And then, like I said, spiritual maturity is intentional. So how do we get there? Well, look at it. He tells us, Hebrews 5, look at verse 14. But strong meat. Now we know what that is. Sorry. It's not the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. That's actually pretty easy. It's not that hard to read the book of Revelation and be like, oh, yeah, the Mark of the Beast. You know what's hard? It's praying every day. You know what's hard? It's forgiving people and loving people and being there for people and having the right judgment and the right discernment. I'm shocked sometimes by the, the, the advice. People tell me, I got all this advice from all these church people, and I'm like, Why? Why are they saying that? But I think to myself, it's because there's no discernment. So how do we get there? Look at it, verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, reason of use, use what? The Bible. When you use the Bible, See, some of you think that we show up, I show up and say, nine chapters a day. And you think like, well, if I did it, then I've arrived. I'm just a mature Christian. Hey, we want you to read the Bible. But reading the Bible is not an end in itself. We are trying to get you to read the Bible. I am going to try to preach sermons. I'm going to try to guilt you into reading the Bible. You say, you shouldn't guilt us. Look, people guilted you into doing all sorts of stupid things. That's why you got tattoos and all those dumb things you've done in your life. I'm, yeah, I'm going to try to peer pressure you to do something good. Amen. I don't care why you show up soul winning. If you show up because I'm guilting you in it or I made you sign a form that said you'd do it, I don't care. But I'm hoping we make you and guilt you and motivate you long enough to do it, do it, do it, that then you become it. Amen. By reason of use, 2 Peter 3.18 
Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace, notice, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says that knowledge puffeth up. So the purpose is not knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Because when we get knowledge for the sake of knowledge, we become uh, uh, arrogant, we become prideful, we look down on others. And all of that proves you're not mature. There's a divine order here. Grow in grace and in the knowledge. Go back to Hosea chapter 4, look at verse 1. Hosea chapter 4, if you kept your place in Hosea. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Because there is no truth, notice these words, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Notice how those things go together. Grow in grace and in the knowledge. He says there is no mercy and there is no knowledge. The first step to spiritual growth is information. You need the information. You need to just know what the Bible says. Look at Hebrews 4, verse 6. But my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children." The first step is information. That's why we preach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. That's why we preach on Bible reading. That's why we want you to read. I want you to read nine chapters a day. God wants you to read nine chapters a day. It's not going to hurt you to read nine chapters a day. You say, why? Because step one is information. We just need to get you the information from the Bible. You need to know what the Bible says about, fill in the blank, whatever thing you're dealing with, you just need to know what the Bible says about that. But that's not enough. There's information. And then there's application. Look at Hebrews 4.12. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, even those who by reason of use, even those who by reason of You understand what I'm saying? Even those who buy, oh, I got out of bed. Even those who buy reason of use, that, that's the first step. This book can't help you if you don't know what it says. This book can't help your marriage if you don't know what it says about marriage. This book can't help. This Bible has the answer to everything you need. Amen. Every area of life. I don't care if it's your finances. I don't care if it's your health. I don't care if it's your career. I don't care if, it, if, if it's your relationship. I don't care what it is. This Bible tells you how to succeed in life. Jesus said that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So we begin with the reason of use, which is why you show up on Wednesday night and we preach through the Bible. You show up on Sunday morning and we preach through the Bible. You show up on Sunday night, we preach through the Bible. Why? Because you just need to use this thing. You need to use it and know it and understand it and know what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says about this subject. Here's what the Bible says about that subject. But please understand something. Simply knowing what the Bible says is not enough. It's reason of use have their senses exercised. Having weights in a closet somewhere doesn't do anything. I bought them. I researched them. I read all the reviews on Amazon. I mean, right? 12 months ago, last year, about this time, some of you went out and bought a treadmill, bought this, bought that. It didn't help you get skinny. It's not going to run on itself. You understand what I'm saying? By reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's... Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is when it's like, Pastor, I'm asking you what you think, but I already know what the Bible, I already know what God wants. I already know what God wants. Now, here's the thing. Most of you already know what God wants. So the problem is not your knowledge, not if you're a member of every Baptist church. You know. So you just don't do it. Let me give you one last, one last passage. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy 3. If you go backwards from Hebrews, you have Philemon, Titus, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy 3.16, next to Second Timothy 3.16, you could write this word, information. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You could write next to Second Timothy 3.16, information. But that's not enough. Next to verse 17, you need to write this word, application that the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect means complete, whole, mature, fully grown. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. That means equipped unto all good works. Spiritual maturity is determined by your ability to handle the weightier matters of the law. Because when you start being who you're supposed to be, we don't have to worry about you doing what you're supposed to do. And let me just say this. Your spiritual growth is measured by your likeness to Christ. Being conformed into the image of His Son. See, we start with all these things that we want you to do. We want you to do these things. We want you to be faithful at church. We want you to... Read the Bible. We want you to pray. We want you to be a soul winner. We want you to tithe. We want you to give. We want you to get involved and serve. We want you to do all these things. But we're hoping that as you get familiar with the Word of God and it begins to change you and you begin to apply it and actually use it, you become a different person. And we go from doing to being. And here's the point. Information spiritually Information plus application equals transformation. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's when the ministry gets fun. That's when discipleship gets fun. Because we stop bickering about all these stupid things. And we start trying to be conformed unto the image of his son. Which is the goal. See, the goal is not for me to try to do a checklist of things. The goal is for me to try to be like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the measure of spirituality, it's measured in your likeness to Christ. By the way, the greatness of a church is not measured by its size. It's not measured by its building. It's not measured by the attendance. It's measured by its likeness to Christ. That we may be conformed unto the image of the Son. Go back to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter 4, just look at this one verse and we'll be done. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse number 12. There's a supernatural work that the Word of God can do. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My goal as a pastor is for you to get saved and for us to feed you milk long enough for you to begin to know what the Bible says, do what the Bible says. And when the Bible gets in your heart, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, when the Bible begins to influence the intentions of your heart, you've spiritually matured. That's spiritual maturity. So I ask you again, where ought ye to be? That's the question. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for our church. Lord, you know that I want us to grow physically. You know that we need to grow financially. 
But Lord, what I want and what I know you want is that we would grow spiritually. That we would stop doing and that we would start being. Lord, I pray you'd help us to wrestle this question. Where ought you to be? And help us to realize that we, none of us, none of us are where we should be. But help us not to be backsliding. Help us not to be reversing, going backwards. Help us to be using the word of God. Reading it, knowing it, understanding it, applying it in our lives and allowing it to transform us. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Let me give you a couple of announcements real quickly. First of all, let me just announce, I don't know if you heard about this, but we have nine chapters of